2: Hello, everybody. It's your boy trapped in the body of armor, Bruiser Holden McNeely. And it's me,
3: your... Hmm. Oh, so many wonderful characters to choose from. I
2: know. And it is I, your
3: really buff bald man with a blonde mustache, who has honored his family's tradition and techniques for over a thousand generations. Oh, look at these muscles. Girl, look at these muscles, bruiser. Jake, how you doing? And it's me, Mr. Frogpants! He's back! Oh my god, he's back! He has risen! Wait a minute, Holden. You didn't use forbidden alchemy to bring him back. Potentially. well, Oh, my God. That was the one rule you weren't supposed to bring. Oh, fuck. He's oh, going shit. all inside oh, out and goopy. God, I can see my own flesh uh, inside of my skin. Why did we meddle with the truth of equivalent <laughs> exchange?
2: And that confusing opening means that we are going to be talking about full metal alchemist. Ladies and gentlemen, it's
3: Let's finally here. Let's get started. Ready, steady, go. <laughs> uh, I know this was a long time Coming then then for then then.
2: a lot of people, there's so much enthusiasm around this franchise. We hope we do it justice. Holden,
3: this is the number one anime series according to My Anime List. This is above uh Hunter x Hunter, above Steinsgate, above uh Jintama again. Wow, Jintama fans really like to game the system. Uh, above <laughs> Clannad, above Code Gas, above Mob Psycho 100. The 9.23 rating on MyAnimeList.com 10 years after it came out. Full Metal Alchemist is still the number one king, and it's maybe the most universally loved animes of all time. And for this
2: episode, you have to thank a patron named J.D. Roy. J.D. Roy is a simple artist and writer with an inclination toward comics and graphic novels. And if people want to see some of his illustrations and hear him complain about his current struggles with writing and developing his first graphic novel story, they can follow him on Twitter, J.D. J. Roy, uh, and on Instagram under the same name. That is at J underscore D-E-R-O-O-I. Check him out, at J underscore D- roy and so without further ado let's get into it Uh, I found this series. I was just everyone recommends this series who likes anime I feel like I mean not everybody but most and it's
3: maybe the one that just you know when you recommend something you're putting yourself out on a limb Mm -hmm. and you know people really need a thing that they can just safely recommend the thing that you know even if you're not into anime even if you're not you know down with the format with the style and the sickness. <laughs> You'll find something to truly love about Full Metal Alchemist. Right, right. It's so well executed. It hits. It's it's technically a shown-in-battle uh, manga slash anime. Yes. And- you know we have protagonists. They have a you know they have a goal, and they got to fighty fight fight their way through an increasingly difficult slope of evil people to do it. But almost off the bat it gets into high comedy it gets into slapstick it gets into military intrigue yes. and a high conspiracy drama so
2: many fascinating things and themes rather in this show that hits you right off the bat for me I, I watched I, I've been watching the show more recently and I've been watching Brotherhood uh, and I think it's fantastic like most people would and, and also it passes what I like to call the Lexi test where Lexi doesn't really super love anime or anything like that so I love to you know try stuff on her like different video games because she's not a big gamer and different anime stuff and not you know and by passing the Lexi test I mean she also found it palatable and enjoyable and the theme's interesting even though it is like very much shonen and everything and so it's a bit of a more recent thing for me but for nostalgia I did want to uh, I hit up my buddy uh, Jordan Jordan has by the way a great podcast called um, World Shop Podcast go check it out I have an episode or two on there with Lexi actually and I was just like hey you know what's the deal right if, if I don't have the nostalgia drip I want to live it through you and for him he largely said you know he got into anime through more basic stuff like Dragon Ball Z like we all did and through his childhood, he was into that kind of stuff. But then something changed. He got—he just got a little more mature. He got a little bit older, and that stuff wasn't working as well, right? And that's when Full Metal really comes into play. I think for a lot of people, it's like such the transition show for people who, who going into adulthood who want a little bit more uh, uh, interesting, more complex themes. Who want the magical powers to have depth, not and not just be a guy clenching his fists and screaming uh, until he becomes more powerful. To have these themes that you're talking about for sure and uh, and and characters that are so fascinating and darkness i mean the largely there, there there aren't a lot there are many different endings as we'll get into it to this thing because there's a manga and there's two different uh, anime series and sp- uh, spin-off movies and sequel movies and all these sorts of things but uh, a lot of those endings are dark and are not happy and I think that also hits people as they're maturing in a storytelling sense way. And it was really interesting to read about it, his personal story. Did you have a relationship with Full Metal Alchemist through the years? Or, or are you also just now becoming a fanboy like I have, <laughs> have uh, been over the past
3: uh, year? I've gone on to this on the bonus episodes. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Whisbrew weekly bonus episodes. Forward slash Whisbrew weekly bonus episodes. <laughs> and... <laughs> At a very important time in my life, anime was basically a lifeline. I was depressed, I was uh failing out of college because I was just uh just a weird cyclical loop and I just did not really know what the fuck I was doing with my life. And I discovered my the GW Anime Club and there I finally found community, I found friends, and you know, every week we would get together and have screenings of what were basically the hot early 2000s animes. Of that era downloaded fresh from our you know amazing college internet and burned onto cds um you know naruto bleach and among those series was full metal alchemist we were watching it in real time as it was airing in japan and we would you know joke around when naruto was on we would joke around whenever the one cheesecake series that the creepy dude who's a senior like demanded we watch we did all that but when it was time for full metal alchemist we went silent we knew we were watching something profound and uh the combination of being emotionally receptive to the series this was 2003 film alchemist of being emotionally res- like open to the story of what this was saying uh kind of the idea of the story being pushing past your past mistakes uh you know unifying with one another coming to terms with kind of uh Especially in the 2003 anime, there's a lot of political implications that fav- were very much in line with what was going on at the time.
2: My favorite stuff is like what a, what a human makes, you know, mm-hmm. what the difference between a, you know, a soul and a mind and a body and the connections. We'll talk about that, of course.
3: We ended up doing cosplays of Full Metal Alchemist characters. This was the flagship series that kind of brought us all together. I'm still friends with a lot of those people. And it's just it really hit a genuine it hit me real hard when it first came out but the series has staying power and yes one of the things i really think i will get into i as a grown-ass
2: adult in my late 30s super fucking loved it you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and i super enjoy dragon ball z but i watch it in a with certain kind of goggles on Mm if i guess if you know what i mean you know like i and and full metal is like no this is legit uh, for sure (laughs) And, and really fascinating. And it really just moves at a clip. You know what I mean? I mean, just the characters there, the story, you never feel like it dwindles too long on on any story element or anything or gets lost in itself. It really just pushes forward. Uh, I guess it'd be a good time now to really give a synopsis for people who are like, what the fuck is the show? You keep talking about what, how good it is, you what know, is I, it?
3: I was thinking a lot of times, we do <laughs> kind of just blast into how cool the thing is. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of people who are left behind are like, You've never explained what this... You've just talked about... You just listed a bunch of Japanese names. You've, like, talked about how you're gooshing all over each other, but you didn't actually explain what the fuck the thing is.
2: Well, here you go. Here it is. It is uh, originally... Initially... At the time,
3: it was... Six minutes before my first sperm joke. Six <laughs> minutes in. If you had that on the online betting pool, <laughs> congratulations. You just won a whole Bitcoin.
2: <laughs> Spo sp- 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 joke. <laughs> Timeout. Uh all right. So the manga was uh, it was initially a manga written and illustrated by Hiromu Arakawa, the male pen name of a whoa whoa, whoa wo-
3: woman? Uh, I mean, Hiromi, if, you don't, yeah. if you don't have the context, Hiromu sounds just as feminine as Hiromi.
2: Hiromi I yeah, but I guess that, I mean, that does, I guess, genderize just the one letter change in Japan. And this is, and we'll get into that, why she used a male pin name later, but I just think it's so funny that she had to in the first place and unfortunate as well. It is set in a fantasy world styled after the European Industrial Revolution in which alchemy is an advanced natural technique that people use. Alchemy, of course, um, how would you best describe
3: alchemy Uh, so alchemy based on the medieval practice of alchemy is the idea that certain materials can through manipulation become other materials Uh, that is expanded in this universe to the idea that a trained alchemist using highly technical circle inscriptions and deep scientific knowledge of what the transformation they're trying to do entails can create matter and reform it from existing matter uh, the ironclad rule is supposedly Toca Coca equivalent exchange. This comes up a lot. The, yeah, we,
2: we've got yeah, we'll get to the quotes on equivalent mm-hmm. exchange and but, everything.
3: Uh, so our main character Edward Elric can uh, make a circle with his hands. Technically, he's special. He doesn't have to draw stuff and create a stone sp- or create a metal spear by placing his hands on a rock and extracting the metal elements and minerals from it. And thus he reforms it into a weapon that he can use. And he is a full metal alchemist. That's his government title as he's working for them. Other characters, they do a really good job of uh-huh. kind of uh, laying out that within this scientific form of magic, individual alchemists really need to specialize in a, spe- in a specific form of alchemy to effectively use it uh, for utilitarian purposes such as Roy Mustang has a very convoluted setup where his inscriptions are on gloves that are impregnated with flint so that he can snap his fingers, create a spark, and alchemy away, uh, just create high oxygen-rich environments and thus create flames and use his hands as Mm, flamethrowers. Other characters supposedly can freeze stuff. Other characters can create uh, spikes from things. And so they're just really good at creating spikes for some reason. And so the interplay between how individual characters can utilize this basic concept of rearranging matter into a series of very flashy effects, uh, can be, is kind of, The core power thing, you know, this is where the stand power of the series comes from. The matchups between individual power sets. Right. And so we follow... Oh, also, uh within this world, not everybody can do alchemy. Yes. It's this kind of weird thing where He had to
2: earn his title of full metal alchemist by passing tests and get, you know what I mean? Like, that's a very uh, uh, elite title in the government.
3: Uh, No, that's just as fun... Every alchemist gets a fun nickname for some reason in this highly... Oh, also super key... Uh, this is a highly militarized society. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, based on Very stuff important. like the Prussian Empire or early Germany before World War
2: Two. Uh, and really quick, let me give the quick synopsis rundown before we get lost more in the weeds. So we follow Edward and his brother Alphonse Elric. Uh, there are two brothers who are looking for the philosopher's stone in order to restore their bodies after a failed attempt to bring their mother back to life using alchemy. Edward has a metal arm and leg due to all of this, and Alphonse's soul is fully trapped in a big suit of armor, which is a very cool concept from the get-go. And what I was talking about, one of the one of the elements I was talking about, pun intended, that leads us towards this question of what what is a human, what is you know what are the what what is the soul and all that sort of stuff.
3: So yeah, the Grand Taboo in this universe is doing, rearranging, and creating uh, organic matter. You're
2: not supposed to do that, and that's what they did, and that's why. Yeah, it's very, it's very fucked up what they did. But they were also young children. I think another big theme in this is is spending the rest of your life trying to correct something that happened in your childhood, that hmm. some mistake that you made, or being chased by those demons. And uh, it's so, very, know, it's very dramatic. It's very dark. These uh, all, a lot of these episodes and concepts. For many
3: people, it could be the trauma of uh, trying to come to terms with someone that you've hurt in the past, or maybe. Uh, coming to terms with how you've been hurt in the past, and in the case of our brothers, it's uh, when you made a weird flesh puddle trying to bring your mother back to life, and then causing a weird back uh, rebound effect that caused your brother's immortal soul to be trapped in limbo, so that you sacrifice your own arm and leg to get his soul back, but only his soul that you imprint into a suit of armor that uh, cannot sleep, cannot eat, and cannot age, thus dooming him to a uh, kind of horrific undeath, Yes, and yet he still loves and supports you. Yes, it's so
2: troubling with all of. Of that stuff. Also, they are orphaned, and that's definitely a, a theme in this show, and what we do as a society with orphans and the way they're treated, and all of those sorts of things. So there's just a lot, as you can tell, going on in the mix here. But it's not a super... I don't want you to think, if you've never heard of this show, that it's super complicated either. It it, it finds this balance between simplicity and complexity.
3: The way they set out and the world building in this show is almost impeccably done. The way that they first introduced the concept of alchemy in the opening episodes or chapters, however you want to do it. Uh, The way that it's differentiated from magic, the way that they lay out the rules, the way they lay out how the brothers have been put on their journey. And then, slowly but surely, you're introduced to this militarized society of our mistress and the intrigue and the kind of backbiting and the horrifying military history that brought this world together. So... It's kind of this, you know, it starts as a fun little, like, uh, you know, boy, you know, in journey. A shonen journey. Yeah. And like every good in journey, it ends up becoming a giant war with the big bad and right. all the forces that they've gathered along the way kind of working together. It reaches an amazing crescendo of an ending in Brotherhood in the Manga.
2: Also, Mr. Frogpants is a reference to a previous episode, the Harley Quinn episode, just in case you were confused
3: by all of that. A lot of people, we... <laughs> On the, I saw on the Facebook group, a lot of people were confused by his people being like, R.I.P. Mr. Frog Pants from the Harley Quinn episode, and other people being like, what the fuck is a frog pant? Uh So here we go. By the L- way, do you think he's a frog wearing pants, or do you think he's a man wearing pants that have frogs on them?
2: Um, I think he's definitely a frog that has the pants that are also made out of the skin of a frog.
3: Oh, that's like a uh, Icelandic necro thing going yes. on. Yes. <laughs>
2: So, Hiromi Arakawa, let's talk about her. Born in Takachi, Hokkaido, Japan in 1973 and this is the most important thing you can know about her in terms of her work ethic and all of this stuff that we get into, including her future work after Full Metal. She was raised on a dairy farm with three older sisters and a younger brother and she had an interest in manga since she was quite young and would draw on textbooks in school. She said, I've been drawing since I was a child. As soon as I have a pen in my hands, I start scribbling. And she was greatly inspired by some manga. I think We've talked about some of this before. There's one the Shonen mangaka. Mangaka by the way is the, the term for a person who writes and draws manga.
3: It's like cartoonist but people look at you funny when you say
2: yeah, it. Yeah <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rumiko Takahashi who is the creator of Inuyasha which is about a 15 year old girl from the present getting transported back in time to a warring and magical past
3: in Japan's history. Uh, another it's it's amazing that she was inspired by Rumiko Takahashi. Uh, I read in an interview that she would find a local Raisha just had a little comic spinner rack basically in the back where hmm. she would pick up issues of I never can say this right say Yatsura I know it as Lum in uh, that's how it was localized uh, and said you know she would she was terrified by how much power sh- this story had over her and uh, in fact in an old uh, Lum compilation reprint fan art that she had drawn before she was a famous mangaka is actually in it so she was a huge Rumika Takahashi mm-hmm. fan and before Full Metal Alchemist Uh, You mentioned Inuyasha, that was basically the kind of blow the doors open on female manga authors uh-huh. writing dark fantasy shounen battle mangas in a way that appealed to both girls and boys.
2: And another one that we have mentioned so many times on the show that I feel like it now, it it, it, it actually calls for its own episode on it. Ranma one half, a martial arts expert kid gets cursed to be turned into a girl when splashed with cold water and back to a boy when splashed with hot water. And, uh, taka, I would love to do an episode. That was my formative. I, I, I'm anime. starting to realize that like everything was inspired by Ranma one half.
3: Espe- it's almost more so over here in the West than in Japan. Even though it was, a, it was like a hit anime in Japan. This was Rama One Half was. We'll get into it in a Rama One Half. We episode.
2: really need to at this point, and I really need to pick it up. I think and check. So it So she
3: loves manga. Yeah, she loves drawing. But here's the thing: farm life in Hokkaido is tough. You know, it's there's actual bear attacks. You have to be constantly wary of. The <laughs> weather is. Harsh. Hokkaido has the snowiest icy weather you can imagine. Think, you know, think think someplace like Iceland, the way the whole country is just built to, like, tackle massive amounts of snow and ice. And, uh, you know, farming is not a very high margin business. It's actually a very precarious way of life, especially in Japan, where, you know, I think they only grow 30 to 40 percent of their own food. So, like, local farming in Japan is this knife edge of a calling, I guess to say. And so even though she wanted to be a manga creator at a very early age, she was explicitly told when she turned 18, you have to stay working on the farm and have it be in your name for seven years until your younger brother can take over for you. So she
2: is stuck on this farm and while she's there she's becoming a huge Star Wars fan a huge fan of Indiana Jones and a big fan of B-movies to the point that she claims that's what inspired her to write a madcap alchemy fantasy Uh, and, and also again reading all this shonen stuff and she said there were female readers who found, this is a quote from her, female readers who found those shonen very entertaining and often more interesting than the usual shoujo manga which of course the manga marketed to girls more like romance stories and things like that. 10 years later, we were old enough to draw and so we made boys manga. This explains the increased number of female drawers in the area.
3: But yeah, and but she is stuck on this farm doing Hard labor, milking cows, picking potatoes, you know, it's you literally she said she did not get a day off for seven years. And she, she is taking also oil painting classes once a month on the
2: side during this whole time. She said the more you love your animals, the more they give it back to you. The more you take care of them, the better their meat will be. There will also there are also unpredictable events. If the weather's terrible, you'll need even more work to achieve better results. Equivalent exchange. Very important words for this episode. Equivalent exchange is based on the energy you'll deploy to realize the task that was assigned to you. In a way, that exchange gives rhythm to my life. In other words, it made her a certain type of farm animal I would like to refer to as a fucking workhorse. She is... I I have been doing this show for so long, and I've been so impressed by many people's work ethic, but she made... I feel like we should make a top five hardest working people we've done an episode on or a top 10. And she would be right up there, man. It is, And we'll get into the amount of stuff that she was doing on the manga and everything else every month when we get there. But, yeah, she, uh, she is just working. But she always attributes it to this experience on the farm. So, in a way, it was a weird blessing in disguise that she was forced to put all this in energy out and and focus so hard there you know and 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 then later she applies all of that to her process.
3: I love this connection from her uh, previous life to Metal Alchemist because the core conflict the core kind of story in a bunch of Metal Alchemist plots is how there are no shortcuts there are you know trying to subvert the natural law only ends in ruin only ends in disappointment Uh and horror because there's no shortcut to growing a potato. Right. You have to water it. You have to make sure the soil is right. You have to pick it at the right time.
2: Lick it once a month to make sure that it knows a human owns it. (laughs) All of these things must happen meticulously.
3: Uh, Not she, all, pota- you know, like when you get those fancy potato chips, you know, those guys were licked. <laughs> but if you pick up a pack of Lay's, they're unloved. Yeah, when
2: I walk into the grocery store, I say, give it to me, licked, brother, or I'm going to fucking piss my pants in the middle of this whole grocery store cause a scene.
3: Uh, but the day finally arrives and she can finally leave the farm. And in 1999, she moves to Tokyo where she presents the 55 page manga that she had been uh, drafting iterating on and preparing this entire time for this like first meeting this is her swing for the fence and which one is that this is uh stray dog okay so can I throw
2: in really quick Because I think she was doing this on the farm but you can maybe tell me she is doing a little bit of other work she was making a, a doujinshi manga for her uh, mm. with her friends that she self-published uh, dou- doujinshi is essentially like zine or like it's like it's like your own do it yourself Independ- low budget un- independent
3: unlicensed independent comic yeah. creation a lot of times it's fan comics a lot of times it's nasty pornography mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's just homemade uh just yeah zine style independent comics
2: And it's it's she's doing this with a group that she formed called Dino Sensoku Bukand also under the pen name Edmund Arakawa she submitted f- four panel gag comic strip mangas called Yonkoma to Gamist Magazine was the name of it and that was just you're like you're like actually probably very similar to what you would see in the funny pages a little bit uh but yeah then she moves and she gets a gig as an assistant. Did she now? Again, is, so is she's this a, okay? So maybe she, you're going to give me the better deets on so this than I have.
3: Her big, her big push, her big show that she, her big uh, portfolio piece—is this 55-page yes. one-shot called Stray Dog.
2: It's about a mercenary named Fultak who wields a big sword. Just think guts from Berserk, essentially. And he uh, he encounters a young military dog, which is a term to identify a genetically engineered humanoid. Is it? Ch- it's chimera, right? Or chimera. Chimera. I was I was get confused. Uh, which is used as super soldiers. So he takes with him, uh, takes the stray dog with him on his journey. A little bit of a lone wolf and cub vibe, also. Chimera. I did. Did you read it? I did not read it. I read found
3: it? it. You can find scans online, That's awesome. and it is in. It's incredibly yeah. well done.
2: And chimeras, of course, exist all throughout uh, Full Metal as well. So I mean, it definitely there's. There's definitely oh, there's a lot of t- connectors and things. Uh, the that, terms
3: that- dog of the military and military dog is used extensively in Stray Dog as well as it comes up a lot in Fullmetal Alchemist. Uh-huh. In this one, the twisted science of kind of chimera creation takes place in more of a pre-modern, pre-industrial revolution society. It's very much within an R- a JRPG style universe. You know, there's shopkeepers, there's character classes, there's a big fight between a mage class and a warrior class person. There's forest and village and castle settings, really well done action, a good defiant protagonist who rages against an unjust system under the pretense of being, you know, coolly self-interested. It's a really solid fucking first outing. And it's the kind of thing that, like, of course she spent seven years kind of twiddling with this. And of course, when it was finally presented to an editor from uh, Square Enix's Shonen Gangan, they were like,
0: You want a job, lady? (laughs) Holy shit! (laughs) Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find?
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Uh,
2: so, yeah, this is also when she takes on the pin name of oh, Hiromu This also won a uh, award
3: for, uh, as, a, as one of the best new artists. Uh, for the, It was the 21st Century Shonen Gangan Award.
2: Gotcha, and and as I was saying just now, though she changes her name to Hiromu Arakawa to put this out and she says and this kind of explains why it is often said that women are better to talk about emotions to write dialogues that hit the nail on the head and men know how to create stories with twists and turns as for me I think it's it's difficult today to make a distinction between genres some men are really able to imagine sensitive and complex characters while some women are able to create sometimes violent action scenes nowadays each writer has their own specialty it doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman but back in the day for her I think it was largely like just avoid Avoiding the dumbass approach of, oh, a woman wrote this? No way. You know what I mean? I'm a dude's bro. I don't know what. You know what I mean? But I think I... I no, I c- you,
3: su- you summarized the male experience completely.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, she was doing that. She also, I, I think, around the time, right before Stray Dog came out, she did take a jo- uh, an assistant gig. was her first gig and that was for a guy named Hiroyuki Ito who is the author of Mehojin Guru Guru or Magical Circle Guru Guru which is a light-hearted series for older children which is a parody of early RPGs like the Dragon Quest games and from him she really just had learned about how to work with assistants how to have a team she said I never She worked- was
3: assigned by Shonen Ganga
2: She said, said, I had never worked with assistants before. I learned how to manage them, especially how to share workload. Who has to draw what? He was really exigent about the layout. I learned a lot from him about that. And layout is huge
3: for her. And of course, she's like, she does so much herself too. Uh, So by 2001 now, she's 28 years old, which is actually getting up there for a new manga artist. You know, she didn't get a head start. Um, She's coming into the game late and she's feeling the pressure. So, um, she starts from the idea that because she you know she's working with uh, Square Enix, that she needs something that kind of fits with the RPG theme. She needs something that fits with that Dragon's Quest Final Fantasy kind of setting. And so she focuses on the Philosopher's Stone, or Sage's Stone, which is uh, an item that recurs often in Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, she starts researching alchemy and that sends her down a giant rabbit hole
2: the philosopher's stone is a legendary alchemical substance capable of turning base metals such as mercury into gold or silver it is also called the elixir of life and used for rejuvenation and achieving immortality the earliest known mention was in 300 a.d by an egyptian alchemist named Zosom- zosimos of panapolis but there are claims that it goes all the way back to adam and was a gift from god uh, and it was reading about this concept that sparked Arakawa to use alchemy in the manga and and push through. And, of course, the Philosopher's Stone becomes this hugely central, important part.
3: Now, this is where uh, just, you know, things get very lucky. All of our stories, all of these episodes have just the right time and right place. And... Working for Shonen Gangan in 2001 and having a kick ass idea for an original series was a good place to be because Shonen Gangan Monthly was the comp, you know, kind of like Shonen Jump. It's a regularly released compilation series with a bunch of individually uh, authored series within it. And they did not have a hit series besides Dragon Quest. Adaptations. That was their big seller. Shonen Gungan, if you're a Dragon Quest fan, that's the comic you pick up to read some Dragon Quest comics. And yeah, there's some other stuff there, but nobody cared. Unlike Shonen Jump, which had, you know, Naruto, Bleach, Dragon Ball, all the all the One Piece, all of the hits. At this time, while she's uh working on her pitch for Full Metal Alchemist, most of the editorial team ditches the company forms their own publishing um, house and starts their own magazine and takes the creative teams that were doing the Dragon Quest comics with them.
2: So now they need a new IP. The window
3: was open and they were ready to take some risks. And uh Arakawa submits a sixty page one shot for what would become Full Metal Alchemist that contains the uh Lior arc, you know, the Father Cornello arc, uh the Mining Town arc, and yep. a little bit of the military kind of formation. And they immediately pick it up, which is a huge thing for, a, you know, for a, for someone that had only published some doujinshis and a one-shot before. This is huge. And she hits the ground running. Within the first year on releasing monthly chapters, she has, uh, yeah, she does the Lior arc, the train fight. Uh, they do Fucking Nina Tucker and uh, my, and Hughes. Scars introduced. The fifth laboratory is introduced. Izumi Curtis is introduced. You know the sensei with the dreads. Uh huh. And this is in you know in terms of an opening. Oh god, I hit the mic. In terms of an opening salvo, this is fucking incredible. Plus. The monthly format means that each chapter actually has room to breathe and tell like a real story, as opposed to, you know, sometimes you pick up an, uh, a single chapter of One Piece and barely anything happens. Uh huh. So she is at the height of her abilities. She has a magazine that is willing to take a risk on her and it does great. This run is legendary.
2: Yeah, and there's so many there's so many elements going on besides just the alchemy. You've got the Ishval civil war or Ishvalan war of extermination, as it t- becomes to to be called. Uh, and that is based on her own ancestors who displaced the native people of Hokkaido when it was colonized by Japan. Arikawa said my ancestors were farmers and homesteaders who displaced Ainu and stole their land from them but ironically enough some of my own relatives have Ainu blood in them. That seemed, seems complicated but it's just an everyday fact of life to have neighbors of differing ethnicity. I think the truly serious problems in this world are when people don't make an, any effort to learn about these everyday situations when they turn away from them or view them from only a single perspective again playing on the theme of we need to be able to reflect on our past and learn from it and not just run away from it that 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 exists all throughout and what we can actually glean off of off of that also you've got a a different thing going here probably largely because she's a a strong female herself, and that is strong female characters such as Winry Rockbell, the automail mechanic, and Gearhead. Arakawa said, "Our "'Our family motto is, "'Those who don't work don't deserve to eat. "'Everyone has to work hard and make ends meet, "'including women and kids.' That's the reason there are so many working women in full metal, and I think that these changes of paces and these new approaches and these totally ballsy moves with like the Civil War and things like that, uh, I just really put her on the map in such a huge way.
3: Okay, so let's can I okay, let me get into this. So you know we say strong female characters, and we you know that can either mean Black Widow in the Avengers movies, or it can mean you know some of the most well crafted and. Heart wrenching characters in modern fiction. Arakawa does an amazing job with their female characters because they're not making explicitly like tough female characters. They're just making characters. Yeah. Uh, characters like Riza Hawkeye, who is this hyper competent, hyper focused uh, professional soldier who is so dedicated to her superior officer, Roy Mustang, and he respects her and values her, but through this very thick professional. Uh, you know, framework, it's kind of the ultimate work wife, work husband dynamic and those unrequited feelings. Uh, The way Winry is, you know, she's not a, she's drawn very attractively and there's tons of cheesecake fan art of her, but she's always drawn, you know, when she's in, like a when she's showing a lot of skin, it's because she's working with a hot metal furnace and she's like actually getting shit done. And it's not that like, Edward is going like, Oogu Gaga, I got to get me some of that. She's like, oh, I'm in love with my childhood friend. And he's too focused on his weird journey to like reciprocate those feelings. But I want to support him, but I don't want to distract him. These are all like complicated feelings that women have that, you know, if you're just drawing a a generic love interest, you're not really doing. Then you have characters like General Armstrong from Fort Briggs, who is this one-of-a-kind military leader that has the unflinching loyalty, you know, the Ice Queen, the Tigress of the North. You have uh, Izumi Curtis, this badass sensei who sacrificed so much and has, you know, has such a brutal understanding of the world around them. Uh, You know, these are not just like, oh, neat female characters. These are like admirable characters. These are characters that even male readers are like, oh, I want to be that person. That's like an empowering, like, cool purse character to want to emulate. Which is, I know it's kind of weird, but it's the kind of thing that a female author can unconsciously just kind of create because they think that's cool whereas sometimes a male author will just be like uh, yeah she's got big gazangas but also uh, her husband died and she wants revenge <laughs> yeah absolutely and this I, you bring up a
2: really good point <laughs> describing all these strong female characters but the the male characters also have a lot of depth and I think a lot of what people were drawn to in terms of her work is her just absolutely amazing ability to juggle and a bunch of plot lines at once and to give every single character in that show their due at some point everybody gets addressed Mm -hmm. everybody gets worked out and gets some kind of arc and some kind of interesting thing no one feels two dimensional even the most two dimensional seeming characters up top like the the different deadly sin
3: enemies and stuff like that another thing that she does amazingly well is the fact that half more than half of these major named characters are all military officers Uh, and they're all dressed in those same iconic blue uh, outfits which is kind of like half Nazi Hugo boss half like Prussian empire blue like kind of outfits and you know I, we've watched a million animes where you know they're all school girls, they all wear the same uniform and the only real differentiations they try to make is like oh this one has green hair and small boobs and this one has blue hair and big boobs meanwhile height build uh affectation you know every character is remarkably unique to you know without having to rely on full cartoonish caricature like, uh, say, One Piece or Dragon Ball. It's, they Arakawa does an amazing job making every single character feel unique, even though half of them are all dressed the same, which is incredible. Can we talk about the two gut punches that happen early in the run and are basically the unanimous memes about this show? <laughs> sure. About this work. Chapter five in the manga, um, I think like chapter el- uh, episode 11 in the original, um, anime and then like er, a little bit earlier in brotherhood uh we have an alchemist suffering or an alchemist anguish and um we're introduced to the tucker family Mm, yes this one was like
2: a especially for like lexi and i on the cat like this mm -hmm. was like a what the fuck
3: this is the reason why if on any thread about full metal alchemist someone has to come in and mention this plot line at this point in the series, we're kind of having a blast. Ed and Alphonse, although tragic, are kind of confident heroes. You know, they're geniuses at this science magic. They just showed a, you know, a full of himself priest how to eat, how to like shove it because his religion's fake. They told a greedy military officer to not exploit like the working man. You know, they're kind of just, dude, they're just like four for four in terms of being cool guys on their adventures. And they reach their goal of meeting this mysterious alchemist who supposedly is good at manipulating organic matter, Show Tucker, And there they meet his daughter Nina and their dog Alexander, and they get to kind of just relax and be kids for a little bit. Uh-huh. We are introduced to how stern and how oppressive the military is when they visit Show Tucker and say, hey, you're going to lose your funding if you can't make a new chimera, which is an organic mixture of two animals. And so kind of out of nowhere in the original in the 2003 anime they kind of telegraph it a little bit more but you get more time with the Tuckers before this happens we uh show Tucker reveals his new chimera that can speak and Edward's super impressed until it just kind of mutters Nissan brother brother and our characters realize that what was supposed to be their cool teacher friend just fucking smushed his own daughter <laughs> and his dog into a horrifying, dead-eyed freak show. Which is what happened before with the, yeah, the wife. And then it turns out, oh, yeah, he also did that with his wife and that this person they trusted was completely fucked up and they were powerless to stop it.
2: And that's like a one-off episode. It ha- you're right, it happens very early on. I think it's even maybe episode like 5 of Brotherhood. It's early but in Brotherhood. But this is
3: a gut punch on the le- in terms of anime fandom. This yeah. is on the level of the end of Empire Strikes Back. This is uh you know, the end of Infinity War. This is our heroes totally defeated. Just everything they believed in, everything they treasured stripped away from them and they are powerless to stop it and it fucking Sucks <laughs> yeah, that is fucking awful, that is a rough one. What is the second one, Jake? well, um, also, uh, the reason why this is such a huge meme is because a, it's early on in the series, so even people that dip their toe into this series, yes, you're, have you're seen a hit this with moment, it, yeah,
2: you're hit with it early, early, so the
3: anime community has experienced this this fictional trauma once in two thousand and three with the fan subs and in the original airing. Once in 2004, with the Adult Swim broadcast, and then all the little kids who like snuck out to their (laughs) to watch late at night after their parents fell asleep got hit by it. Then. Uh, in 2009, in Brotherhood, they had to relive it again, and then in 2010, with the dub of that, they had to relive it again. So, in a very, in a, in a format like anime that has a huge turnaround, like you know, new series come and go all the time. Individual, you can actually like track which generation of anime fan you are at the point where you kind of just stop trying to keep track of it at all. <laughs> across a weird, a 10 year just, a, yeah, across a basically a 10 year chunk of. Anime fandom, everybody has experienced this fucking gut punch of Nina Tucker. And that is why I'm sure in the comments, on, I'm going to get Twitter responses. People are just going to post the same fucking dead eyed monster dog girl everywhere in response to this episode. The other one is uh, Mays Hughes, who was introduced. Uh, I think, again, he's treated way better in the 2003 anime, uh, is this kind of father figure who is this family man. He loves his wife, he loves his daughter. He works for the military intelligence and he comes across the big evil guys, uh, the big evil scheme and is taken out in the most heartbreaking way uh, in the world. and. This has the uh, result of the very uh, sad funeral scene where the daughter is like, why are they putting dirt on daddy? (laughs) He has so much work to do. Get out of the box, daddy. And the fucking badass line where Roy Mustang is standing over his best friend's grave as Hawkeye looks on. And he's like, oh, what a terrible time for rain. (laughs) And she's like, but it's not raining. And then she sees the tears in his eyes, like fucking sucks that it's raining right now. And she's like, uh, yeah, boss, shitty time for rain. It's so badass. And what really makes it hurt is this is a whole series about how dads kind of suck in a way. Like literally, our um, our heroes are abandoned by their dad. Uh, You know, that's kind of what starts the story. Uh, Their first villain is a guy named Father Cornello. Uh Uh, Their first big tragedy is Show Tucker, a shitty dad. Literally, in the the main villain of the manga and brotherhood is a bad guy called just Father. And so we have one good family man, one guy, and he dies. (laughs) In the 2003 anime, uh, he dies. 25 episodes into a 50 episode run, Mm. which gives it a lot more impact. In Brotherhood, they kind of rushed through it, Mm. but... You know, a lot of brother. we'll get into it, but a lot of Brotherhood rushes through what was covered in the 2003
2: anime. For sure. They kind of had to or people were going to riot, essentially. Like, cause but, yeah, Okay, episodes, we acknowledged the sad. two
3: sad things, all right? <laughs> all right I, I asked our Facebook group. It's like, hey, what should we talk about? And it was just like, talk about sad dad and dog girl. Sad <laughs> dad and dog girl. I want to hear, oh, remember sad dad and dog girl. Yeah, okay, we did it.
2: <laughs> uh, she also, to get more of an info, essentially, on what it's like to have the kind of life you were just describing for so many of the characters. She interviewed refugees, war veterans, and ex-Yakuza to understand what it meant to take an outcast, create new family roles, all that sort of thing. That's such an important, again, central theme to everything. Um, And let's talk a little bit now about her artistic approach, because that's not really sad. It's about big muscles and big boobs. (laughs) Her style is very rounded. She claims she really enjoys drawing muscles and boobs, uh, as well as, quote, old guys. I think she likes the lines and things on old guys. She said, if I draw them too skinny, people will think my poor characters don't eat. Men should be muscular and women should be vavavoom." voom
3: I'm a huge fan of vavavoom. voom
2: I love that. Another she said quote
3: that. Uh, is uh, kind of a is side matter in one of the compilations uh, is, uh, apparently, when my neighbor's three-year-old found out that I'm a manga artist, she said with a sparkle in her eye, I wonder if she draws princesses and stuff. Sorry, little girl, I only draw grubby old men. <laughs>
2: <laughs> By the way, and I, I wanna throw this out there, we'll talk about her, the cow avatar that she uses and stuff. Mm-hmm. For someone who seems to be such a recluse and so shy and won't even appear in uh, her show her face in interviews, it's really hard to find a picture of her face. She is like hilarious. There was a she's there was great. one TV interview I was watching that, and again she has a and we'll talk about the cow thing, but she's got like this her a drawing of a cow head in front of her face, so you can't actually see her. And she's hanging out in this room, and they're asking her questions, and she's like so fucking funny and doesn't seem nervous at all. So I, it's, inter- it's an interesting contrast that she has going on. It's
3: um, a shame that that interview was for the live-action movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it totally was. Uh, but also, what she, she says she liked. So, uh, you know. She's
0: not a con. She's not. <laughs> Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack. And save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim. Sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find?
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary.
1: Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Uh, so, Kanikuman was one of the big inspirations for her illustration approach. And we have mentioned it before as it made its way to America muscle. as Muscle, the action figure. So look, And if you look up images of it, again, I mean, muscle. Come on, it's a very rounded, muscular, huge dudes, and she really enjoyed that that sort of approach. But I think it's very aesthetically pleasing. Now, let's get into this work ethic because I really want to talk about just how absurd her process was, especially while she was working on the Full Metal Alchemist uh, anime or manga, rather. Uh, so she uh, here's her breakdown of it. Generally, I do my Nemo, which is a storyboard, on Saturdays and Sundays. Then it's completion from Monday to Thursday. With my assistants, we draw the plates, the settings, the finishing touches. Finally, Fridays are my days off. Sometimes they're also the only moments left for me to do last-minute works or commissions. And this has been her drawing and writing... Uh, And this has her rather drawing and writing over 40 pages a month. And she's also doing color illustrations, character designs for full metal video games, illustrations for light novels, and assisting in the production of the animes and films. Uh, In more of a meeting sense, she would essentially assist them on the building of the world. And we'll get into the fact that she was very hands-off in a lot of ways in terms of the writing and whatnot for those shows. Just a fun
3: fact about uh, Arakoa's work ethic – she had her first child in 2007 yeah. and did not miss a month. <laughs> yeah,
2: and She ended, I think she has three total and just has worked all through that time in an effort to finish the manga alongside the finale of Brotherhood because essentially what happened was, and we'll, we'll get more into detail on this, the first anime comes out while she's still writing her stuff uh, for the manga, and then the Brotherhood ends up coming out in order to be more fully – Uh, one-to-one to to the manga, and they wanted to end it right around the same time. But in order to do that, she had to work overtime doing over 60 pages a month to get out the last chapters, and the very last chapter was over 100 pages. So it is just insane, insane, insane.
3: In that uh, that interview we talked about, she said that her favorite piece of art she ever made for the series was that two-page spread of Edward punching the fuck out of, uh, quote-unquote, father in his final form. Uh, It's a full two-page spread, fully painted cover, and, you know, the sense of release that, you know, the character is having, the sense of closure that is happening in that panel uh, mirrors the fact that she had been working so hard on this series for so long, and that she herself is kind of landing that final punch and slaying the the enemy that was uh, horrific deadlines and obligations. She said, when we
2: finished the manga, I was surprised because I had been drawing this story for nine years and I was convinced that in the end I would be sad as in a breakup. When I submitted the last chapter, I was actually relieved not because I was glad it was over, but because I had the conviction I had told everything I wanted to. When I gave the pages to my publisher, I shook hands with all my assistants. Then we went eating grilled beef. We had nice drinks, nice food, and I had a feeling of satisfaction as if my children had graduated, which I love as a descriptor uh, for that. Also, because I don't know where else to use this quote, I'm just going to say it here because I think it's a really, really smart balance uh, and approach to writing for an audience. Someone can find, uh, this is uh, when she was asked, what is a good mangaka? Someone who can find the perfect balance between complying with the reader's expectations and betraying mm. said expectations, which I think is fucking a very, very... She is uh, whip-smart, dude. Like, I just... I'm so impressed by this person. This is one of those episodes you do... I mean, every episode impresses me on some level, uh, you know, but th- I am just really, really blown away by by uh, this artist. Um, so, next we can talk about the actual animes. We've gotten all the way to... <laughs> this far into the episode and uh, we're now actually going to talk about the, the first anime.
3: So talks were already underway to adapt this into an anime basically after a year of stories had been published. They were nowhere close to done, but, you know, this is uh, Square Enix's publishing company, and so they're down with that fucking uh, tie-in stuff. They want a franchise.
2: I wrote, stop me if you've heard this one before. Bones hits up Arakawa to jump into an anime adaptation well before her manga is complete. I feel like this happens a lot in anime, where if something catches fire... The the thirsty anime production lords are just like so like fuck it they're 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 all about their games of Game of Thronesy essentially it's like fuck it it. I don't care how it is give it to me we got to make it you know because you
3: make the anime you get the toys you get the cosplay accessories you get the art books you get it just it just opens so many doors to make so much more money especially at this time before the animation uh before anime kind of collapsed in on itself right it's very interesting to me
2: too because.
3: She is an artist that
2: seems so in control of her work and at the same time so giving with her work in the sense that she totally allows bones to do whatever they want she she you know she even requests an original ending from her own because she wanted to keep writing her manga and she you know didn't want it to necessarily intrude on what she was doing and she she does attend meetings to advise the staff on the world of the manga but she does no part in the writing whatsoever in fact it would would surprise her she was very interested to see what they their interpretations of the secret origins of characters and things like that. There are differences, uh, we, we'll not get just it. the ending, yeah. there are differences in uh, all sorts of little bits of the manga that, that Bones just kind of had carte blanche
3: on. So a main thing that happens is the 2003 anime w- does a lot of work based on the first 20 chapters of the manga, yes. which does not really get into the big military intrigue overthrow plot, that ends up becoming the grand arc of the second half of the series, or or technically way more. Yes. I you know in my head because I imprinted on two thousand three. Mm. The first twenty chapters are the first half of the story. Ah, but stuff like uh, the roles of the homunculi yes. are extremely Very expanded different. on, and they are uh, kind of brought to the forefront more as just goons for the father villain, mm-hmm. and more like. Characters with their own wants and desires, and inc- an incredibly interconnected histories with the characters that we know of. The f- ending is a little bit gonzo. Uh, they kind of go into very a dark. They go into a very weird thing. I actually kind of like it, but I understand why people
2: Should, are we not spoiling it. Um, Let's not spoil. It. Let's not spoil. I it. will it. kind of spoil it talking about the sequel thing, but no,
3: I'll, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say it. The connection to the real world. Yes. I think was well done especially because going off of just the first 20 chapters without having seen the rest of it play out and how the rest of the society has been formed within the canon of the manga you, you kind of just read and go to yourself like man there sure is some german shit happening uh-huh. all over this thing uh-huh. we should connect it to all this german because i um, with the actual german the yeah. magic the you know the characters the the aesthetic the 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 villains All this is happening, and there's just this glaring German shit that's also part of this experience, and the fact that they kind of ended up going with it, I kind of respect, even though, uh, in terms of satisfying endings, the manga and Brotherhood really did, I think it's a better... Way to conclude that story. So the series is directed by Seiji Mizushima.
2: He also did uh, Mobile Suit Gundam OO and episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion, among many other anime TV series and films. Mm-hmm. It is written by Sho Aikawa, who has written a ton of scripts and also is no stranger to adaptations for manga such as Love Hina. And It runs for 51 episodes. Oh, I'm sorry.
3: I really have. OK, so a lot of people uh, point out that the 2003 anime goes a bit darker. Mm-hmm. There you know it's even though it did have a technically a primetime slot there's a lot of like dark psychology a lot of like unrequited uh you know uh, taboo feelings uh, especially with the way that each homunculus is directly related to a character's like sins of the past um the homunculus in 2003 are created directly from our characters doing human transmutation it's like not even It's not just a representation of a sin from the villain. It's literally their own sins coming back to haunt them. Hmm. Characters like Lust and characters like Wrath and characters like Envy all have like really fucked up ideology and like uh, uh, history behind them. Uh, There's also a lot more body horror. In Brotherhood and the original manga, the uh, brother's mom isn't really shown. They're just kind of like, you know, in silhouette. In 2003, there's just a, a, a fucking, they go for it. And- Part of it is uh, Sho Akawa uh, wrote uh, the screenplays for the Uratsuki Doji Legend of the Overfiend movies and OVAs, okay. which if you are uh, a connoisseur of uh, anime and hentai, you know for a fact that is some gory, twisted, horny shit. Nice.
2: So it ran for 51 episodes starting in 2003 and lasts almost exactly one year. The English dub was produced by Funimation Entertainment and airs on Adult Swim and Cartoon Network in November of 2004. As we mentioned already, the ending is notably dark, but they also get a sequel called Full Metal Alchemist the Movie Conqueror of Shambhala. This goes into pre-production while the show was still running and was also directed by Seiji Mizushima with a script from Show Aikawa, which was 100 pages long and made the film over three hours long, which led to the team to cut a third of the scenes out. Production was so busy, they had to break it up into six parts for six different directors. They're being pressed so hard by the production studio, but they essentially address what happens after they connect to the real world and uh, how they get back and yada, yada, yada. It, It... you would think oh we made the ending so fucked up and dark in the original series we'll like kind of give them that happy ending or that's usually what happens with these situations but no it's also just very dark and fucked up
3: uh, I will say the 2003 <laughs> anime does have one of my favorite anime OP songs of all time Ready Steady Go by La LaArc and CL this is the one that's like ready steady can't hold me back ready steady give me good luck I'm doing a terrible you know what Mary can you just play uh, just a part of Ready, Set, he, Go when it really just rips. Oh, How
1: can right.
3: you not get hyped to that? <laughs> How I ask you, how
2: shall we talk about Brotherhood, or do you have anything else for the original anime series? Um,
3: it's the fact that I think it's fascinating. Do you like it better, Jake? I have more memories with it. That's
2: what it is just the nostalgia, the, the, the n- connection.
3: Here's the thing I read people I, told me when I got
2: into it, people were like, just jump straight to Brotherhood. That was like what so many people said to me
3: going into Full Metal. Uh, in a perfect world, I would create like a weird Kai version where uh-huh. a lot of the early stories are given more space just by sheer fact that they had to stretch it out more in 2003. Stuff like Hughes and Nina really hit harder in 2003. Whereas if there was a way they could just kind of smash cut and be like, okay, now we're going to do Brotherhood's Rest of the story, right? I would appreciate. We're gonna that. pick
2: up at episode fifteen. There's a lot of what Brotherhood got criticism for initially was, oh, it's too much like the original series. Is it is up through episode fourteen, and then it diverges completely and um, became this giant hit. But
3: oh, I just uh, the fact that Studio Bones was given. Which, you know, had just been, like, knocking out of the park with Wolf's Rain and the Cowboy Bebop movie. Bones,
2: of course, founded by Sunrise mm-hmm. staff members. Their first project was the Cowboy Bebop movie, Knocking on Heaven's Door. They went on and do a bunch of Gundam series. They did My Hero Academia. Just the they, classic. Uh,
3: if you're crew. really bored for some reason, maybe you can't leave your apartment for the next couple of months. Uh, Rasevan was their take on an Evangelion story Ooh. that I really liked. I need to watch that. Um, v- more style over substance, but it's, again... This was a studio out to prove that they had the chops to be a, a you know, a landmark animation studio, and it, I enjoyed it. And so, given the same kind of chess pieces and the same characters and getting them in the same position as Arakawa had placed them, and then letting them go and see how it played out with a completely different creative team is kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, if you did like Brotherhood and want more right. Full Metal Alchemist. Going back and watching it why is an interesting experiment.
2: Yeah, why not? So, close to the end of the manga run in 2009, a second, more faithful adaptation was announced as the franchise was just so damn popular. Why not? You have a you have a new whole set of the story that didn't get addressed in the original anime. This time it's directed by Yasuhiro Iri... I, 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 I want to say Iri, but I think it's I, Iri, uh, who served as an animation director... Uh, on the original anime series and now he's taking on his director written by Hiroshi Onogi who did tons of scripts has got a giant giant resume super prolific on various Gundam series, among others, Arakawa shared the ending to her manga with Yasuhiro, the director. Oh, and, like
3: Game of Thrones, but it worked. But it worked
2: <laughs> and made it so that the final chapter of the manga came out. Well, then she actually went and wrote the rest of the mm-hmm. manga, Jake. So, I mean, <laughs> I will say that, you know, I think. It's just, but uh, yeah, um, she she made it so that the final chapter of the manga would come out just three weeks before Brotherhood's finale. Brotherhood runs for sixty-four episodes from mid two thousand nine to mid twenty ten. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all on Netflix, by the way. Like all of this is on Netflix. It's on Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, it's really good. It's um, really accessible, guys. Uh, in terms definitely, of openings, definitely check it out.
3: People really like again by Yui, which was the first opening for mm-hmm. the first part of this show. It's Got
2: some pretty good op- opens and closes. Uh,
3: from it, I will say I still like the two thousand three from a musical perspective, but from a direction setting in terms of like. When people talk about anime OP, they talk about like the animation, the shots, the way that it tells emotional stories, the ways that it kind of hides little plot easter eggs in in the way Brotherhood does have more well-constructed openings. I still just like Melissa and Ready Steady Go in uh-huh. terms of songs. A thing about the okay, a uh, little thing about the voice acting. Romy Park and Rie Kugimiya
2: return as Edward Edward and Alphonse Elric and I love the fact that they're both ladies.
3: Uh I really like Romy Park yeah. as Ed's voice actor. I think she captures his childlikeness, his sensitivity, which is what made him a very compelling character, especially for female fans. You know, he's smart, he's uh, got a, you know, he's not like overtly, you know, he's not threateningly, you know, he's not like a JoJo character. He's like, you know, he's, he's, he's boyish, but he's like, he has a defiance to him. Yeah. And uh, he's
2: got a comedy, a humorousness to him.
3: I also like that Park uh, voiced uh, Toshiro Hitsugaya, who's basically just Edward Elric in Bleach. Uh, he's like the short kid with the white hair who had the ice powers in Bleach. Uh, and Holden, you'll appreciate this. She's the voice of Naoto in Persona 4.
2: Nice. Love Naoto. Uh,
3: I think uh, in for the English version, uh, Vic Mignogna. I don't like his Edward. I just I what he has he's such a veteran voice actor that he every, he just sounds like 90s anime cool guy uh, voice. This when did he voice it? He uh he uh, he voiced Edward throughout the entire dub. Oh,
2: uh, oh in the dub. Oh yeah. okay,
3: okay. And then of course uh he's been outed as a con creep and it's been a giant legal uh, fucking that sucks. battle. Uh, it's not, it's not pretty. I don't want to get too into it, but it's, it really sours the experience of watching the dub again.
2: Well, that English dub did come out in early 2010 on Adult Swim. Uh,
3: in (laughs) terms of Alphonse, I, there's, there was two Alphonses because the original voice actor, Aaron Dismuke, Dismuke, I can't pronounce it, went through puberty in the years between 2003 and Brotherhood's dubs. The thing I really like about him is, yes, he has like weird child actor voice, but that kind of stilted delivery kind of fits Alphonse's character more than Mignona's Edward does. Because Al is like a child trapped in this hulking body. He's divorced from his own like emotions. And, I love
2: the vocal effect at least they put on it with yeah. the like weird, they have they this metal. It's like more like like something like rubbing on
3: metal. For Brotherhood, they got an adult woman named Maxie Whitehead to do it, and she's just a more veteran voice actor, so it just feels more, like, competent, and in a way, it kills how I see Alphonse. There's less, like, childlike innocence and more, like, a good actor in touch with their emotions. I know Mm. it sounds weird. Um, I will give credit to Rie Kugimiya, the Japanese voice actress, because no matter how you do it, no matter how you try and translate it, a Japanese character going nissan 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 sounds way better 10 times out of 10 always 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 more natural than an english voice actor going brother brother (laughs) right when have you ever just talked to your brother and been like brother brother if you've been like bro bro you say bro (laughs) but like if you if you if the person you care about is in trouble you use their name in english you never go My brother. It just sounds so awkward, but it's so iconic. And the translation is from you know it's Nissan to brother, but it just it's just it's so awkward. No matter how many anime series trying to do it. All right,
2: uh, are you ready to move on to talking briefly about the Sacred Star of Milos?
3: Uh, I did not do any research about the Sacred Star of M- Milos. All you need to know
2: is it's a more lighthearted spin-off storyline that is set during the second anime's storyline. Uh, Edward travels to Table City, which is modeled after Spain, to do research on his realization that Alphonse's human body existed somewhere. It puts it somewhere around episode 21 of Brotherhood, and they came up with it while they were working on That anime production just sparked an idea for it, went off and worked on it. It's just supposed to be lighthearted. And now we can talk about the unfortunate... Live action film, originally planned for 2013, they held off due to tech concerns and a low budget and officially announced production in May of 2016. It's written and directed by Fumihiko Sori with script help from Takeshi Miyamoto. Sori's debut film, Ping Pong, won the Japanese Academy Award for Best Director. It's about friendship between two high school table tennis players and I really, it really looks kind of good. And I want to watch Ping Pong now. It looks just (laughs) like a fun live action romp. Now, this was released on Netflix as a Netflix original film in February 2018. Sori said, the director that is, In this work, I'm using a technology that was used in Hollywood movies such as The Avengers. We're using a lot of new techniques that were never used in Japanese movies before. I would like to boost Japan's CG level with this movie.
3: Did that happen? No, but... I mean, the Alphonse... Character work, I think, is pretty well done considering their limitations. Right. Those limitations being it was really expensive and half the movie, they just kind of shuttle him out of the movie so yeah. they don't have to animate him. That makes sense. Uh, the way they just condense all these weird story beats. He said he a, was
2: going to take the whole thing and condense it into two hours. Just like, does, why? Why not just focus on one story arc? And just do it really well from the series or work with Arikawa or whatever on a side story spin-off thing.
3: Because when you watch the trailer, you see all those iconic moments yeah. in rapid succession. You go, wow, it's a full metal alchemist movie. Right. And then you watch the movie and it's just all those moments in rapid succession and it just doesn't quite work.
2: All right, so what would you say? I'm uh so I'm listening to the show right now. I've never read it, I've never seen it. Where do I start, Jake? I
3: can't I, I have my own I have my own sentimentality. Brotherhood is brotherhood the correct is... answer.
2: Brotherhood. <laughs> but I think maybe it's this. Read Brotherhood. That's the most. Unless you're a big fan of manga and you want a new thing to collect, then start getting those books or you know, do the evil online thing and ch- and check you it out. Get on,
3: you can get them online. There's tons of uh, places to legally get sure. manga.
2: And check them out. But... Or go to Netflix and probably watch Brotherhood first. And then, if you want more or an interesting different a- uh, adaptation, ad- uh, interpretation, then head on over to the original anime and then maybe read the manga.
3: Although, I will say, if you maybe, just maybe, try. And watch the first episode of the of two thousand three <laughs> with the. I think they handled the Lior arc for Jake. Way, yeah, for for Jake, for Jake. It's that if all, you're Team Holden, you'll go straight to Brotherhood. It's also <laughs> no because it rushes because th- Brotherhood rushes through a lot of mm-hmm. a, a lot of what really made the show. You're making me series. definitely
2: want to go back and check it out.
3: Watch the Lior arc. It's it's you know it's a, it's watch how they handle the Father Cornello story. And you'll be like, oh, this fucking slaps a little bit harder than Brotherhood. I will say, I did a little bit of research with the games because they, a lot of them were brought over to America. I played uh, Full Metal Alchemist 2 Curse of the Crimson Elixir on the PS2. I streamed it a little on our uh, Patreon Discord. Uh, some people were there to at least acknowledge what I was seeing. What and, was it? Uh, it is because obviously this is Square Enix, so they want, you know, video game tie ins are part of it. It suffers a ton from anime adaptation syndrome, which is they want to retell the story of the anime... And so they do it through laborious cutscenes. Yes. So more than half of the time, you're just watching cutscenes. Yeah, I hear you on that. Uh, I've been there, brother. It's kind of a beat-em-up with RPG elements with a very fun mechanic where there's environmental... You're naming
2: every anime adapted video yeah. game ever Keep go- that's not a fighter. Keep going. Uh,
3: there's a fun <laughs> mechanic where you can use alchemy on props within the battle arenas that have different effects. Oh, that's cool. And... Uh Al it, you play as Edward and Al is kind of your bad AI partner. But if you know how to manipulate him, you can like use alchemy on an object in the environment, create like a Gatling gun out of it, tell Al to get into it, and then he can start mowing down bad guys. That's cool. Uh by the end, I got into the flow of it, and it's pretty fun, but the just the downside of having to sit through so many cutscenes where they're just yeah. retelling a story you already know. That is the classic, but
2: worse because it's like you're reading a lot of it or it's, yeah, hammy voice. Yeah, that is the classic downfall of the anime adaptation. It's and so I will funny. say and repetitive gameplay is the, the gimmick
3: one. with this one is that they introduce a whole new bad guy and this whole new thing with like an ancient civilization it's bad. It's not engaging, and they're clearly ripping off Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> There's these characters called golems, which are just the heartless, and fun. they come out of puddles in the ground and they try and attack you.
2: Uh, so Arakawa's next work, I want to finish up by talking about that. Uh, right. By the way, I said we'd talk about the whole cow thing. And I just want to clarify that because we didn't actually talk about the whole cow thing really. It is notoriously difficult to find a picture of her. She does depict herself as a humorous cow due to her being a very shy recluse and she wears that cow face over her own or they put it in post on TV interviews, the first of which was in 2017. As Jake mentioned earlier, unfortunately it was about the mo- the live action movie that wasn't that great. She but does have I a love her cow avatar. It is she so does funny. have a
3: series of autobiographical comics called like Farmer Nobility. Yes. Uh, you can find, th- those have not been fully translated, uh, but the excerpts that I could find were really fun, really engaging, talking about the weird pride she has in her farming upbringing yeah. and the weird ways that she's had to adapt to city life. Uh, she talks about an incident where she grew up on a dairy farm. And if you heard a cow in the middle of the night, like calling out, that meant it was giving birth and you had to like wake up from a dead sleep and go out to the field oh, and wow. like help. And how, to this day, if a like tr- a low, like roaring truck is in the distance in her neighborhood, she will, like, she'll up. jerk awake. That's crazy. Because that experience is just so ingrained in her.
2: Well, the other work I was going to finish up talking about is Silver Spoon, which is also largely based on her farming upbringing. Her next work, it's a more down-to-earth affair, uh, and it's a coming-of-age manga series, completely just off the tracks from what she'd been doing with full metal it's serialized in Mm -hmm. weekly shonen sunday from 2011 to 2019 set in uezo agricultural high school it's a fictional high school and follows yugo hachiken who goes there to get away from his strict father but finds it's more difficult than he previously thought And she just wanted to challenge herself. She said, I could have made another fantasy manga. That's true. And thanks to my name, it would probably be successful. Yet, I don't think I'd be satisfied with that. I wanted to challenge myself and offer something different. It also enables to recruit new readers to change style and allows you not to restrict yourself. We knew some readers would certainly be surprised or shocked, but I didn't mind changing for a new sphere, but I think she was surprised and shocked to see that every volume sold, over a million copies, crushing it with this one as well. Seems fantastic, and I really want to check it out. As I, I will say
3: the thing. themes of uh, personal responsibility uh-huh. and coming to peace with the laws of the natural world sure. do carry over. Do from... carry
2: over. I just meant more in the in terms of genre and whatnot. Oh, yeah. and I love that she did that. The idea that she pitched herself. it to her
3: same publisher at Square Enix, yeah. and they were like, I'd argue, but you've just sold 70 million copies. <laughs> you've sold more copies than Hunter x Hunter, Yeah, so fucking go to it, cow woman. <laughs>
2: All right, that's the story of Full Metal Alchemist. Thank you so much for listening. I guess we can talk to you about Patreon for two seconds. and get out of here, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Once a month, just five bucks, and you get weekly ep- bonus episodes. And we are going to be ripping it in the coming months. So please, please stick with us on that. Also, check me out on twitch.tv forward slash Holdenator. So Again, going to be ripping on that for the next few months especially here so please check us out uh, check me out on that and jake i would love to have you uh, pop in on a zoom chat or something mm-hmm. like that and we'll play some jackbox games and fuck around do some little special whizbrew streams on my streaming channel also jake
3: holden i challenge every listener to find us and be defeated in the realm of quiplash against two gods of comedy zingers. I mean,
2: I did pretty well last time we played together for some patrons uh, in a fun time, but I have to say, Jay- I'm very intimidated by Jake, and especially when you play with your fiance. <laughs> it is just so brutal. You guys, crush- you guys crush it, and you're like, whatever about it, too. That's the fight that You're just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I guess we're just really funny I have a
3: very limited set of skills follow me on twitter at bestjakeyoung there you will find my thoughts and baubles and you will undoubtedly hear about everything we're doing on the podcast and uh, weird research things that I'm finding throughout the week it's a good time and honestly what else are you going to do right All right, everybody and always remember keep on whizzing and never stop bruising This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors,
2: you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
0: Hop hop hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, two-faced. Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you
1: find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.